Hey everyone, it's Isaac Smolden, the production manager over here at my house. Just giving everyone a heads up that today's episode is part two of a two-part series with our guest. So if you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and go back and listen to that before listening to this episode. Also a heads up that today's episode does have a trigger warning associated with it due to the graphic and personal nature of some of the events discussed within. Without any further ado, here is episode three of season two of My Voice. My Voice is a chance for those who have struggled with addiction, homelessness, depression, and domestic violence to have a candid conversation about their life experience, current situation, and future goals and aspirations. Every episode is conducted anonymously to facilitate a comfortable and safe place for guests to tell their story. My Voice is hosted by Mike Sisson, who works as a case manager at the My House facilities in Wasilla, Alaska. We now join a My Voice conversation already in progress. not the end of it <laughs> so i just wanted to point that out but let's keep going so so you have your kid you you're dealing with a lot of struggles you're not stopping you're continuing on um still drinking i'm guessing and still in in kind of bad scenes and then so tell us about from then to now so i um was in that toxic relationship and i um, you know, it, after, after having him and I started spiraling even more further into drinking, I started becoming those things that I didn't want to become, you know, the things that I hated most about his dad, what I hated most about my mom and my dad and I became those things. I became manipulative. I became a liar, a cheater. I was unfaithful. I didn't. Um, I didn't have the best intentions for anyone. I just, I just cared about myself and what I was gonna do next, where I was gonna go next, and um, eventually. Um, it was a little crazy after that. I so like I was still on and off with his dad, but I think I was off. We were we weren't together for a while and I moved in with my cousin out here. And um I got a job at this restaurant and um Ended up getting kicked out of my cousin's because my cousin wanted every single penny that I was making, mm. and he wanted to control me, so I moved out. I moved in with my other cousin in Anchorage, mm. and my coworker at the time lived in Anchorage, <clears throat> and so he offered to give me rides every day to work out here. And... I was still drinking and partying and stuff, and 
every once in a while I would go out and drink with my coworkers and stuff and I've drank with him a couple <coughs> times and till one night it was just me and him and his friend and I blacked out and he took advantage of me. Took advantage of me and my boss didn't do anything about it because that was his partner. And two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. I wanted to die. <laughs> I didn't want to be here anymore. <laughs> my son's dad said it was my fault. Oh, man. And... Michelle Overstreet reached out to me without knowing anything was happening. Wow. She reached out to me asking me if I wanted to come back to the cafe. Wow. And that's when I just quit that job, you know. I had an investigation that happened. They couldn't do anything about it. They said both parties were intoxicated, and so there's no crime. So, so sorry. that man is still walking freely till this day, and no charge. So I came here, and I started working as the assistant manager again in the cafe. And um, Kira came with me to get an abortion, and which I'm, I'm truly grateful for her because she's... <laughs> I was just talking to Julia about her today because... Kira and I have been, you know, she's been there for me since a long time. Wow. And I'm so grateful for her. And um, yeah, she's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, she took me there. And, um, you know, after that, I got my own place. I got my own duplex. I got into... Um, housing, uh, Connect Tribal Council Housing, Affordable Rentals. And I ended up quitting the cafe because the manager at the time and I didn't really get along. <laughs> and I lost contact with my house for about <laughs> three weeks, I think. And then um, they threatened to uh, stop the cab rides because they were doing cab rides at the time, <laughs> and that was my only transportation. And so I came in finally, and I broke down to gym, and I was just like, you know, I was upset, and I flew, because that's my survival mode. I always, whenever I'm in any kind of situation, I just want to leave. I just want to go. Mm. And so... I talked to him and told him that I am trying to look for another job and I was struggling. And he mentioned NIT. And I um, got into NIT administration training and did that for four weeks with Abby. And um, it was really good. Uh, Abby and I, we were just having a blast, you know. <laughs> oh, I bet in there and we learned a lot of good <clears throat> things there's still things that i've learned from there t that i like to remember till this day and because i made some good points <laughs> good. and joe 
Joey Crum? Yes, Joey Crum. He's he's a great guy. He's he said some things that are just engraved in my brain. <laughs> Definitely a great guy. Yeah. So um, it was really good. After that, I worked with Nine Star at the Nine Star Building for a few months. After that, and um, it was like about three months, I think. And then I got a job at Connect Tribal Council, and I was at I was their housing administrator. Awesome. For a while, it was really good. I had fun with them. They were amazing. Um, they were almost like family, pretty much. Um, my son would come around sometimes, and he would be screaming and running down the halls. <laughs> <laughs> they just loved him, so it was uh, it was really really good. And then, but I was still in. Oh, actually, no. Before all of that, when I when I was doing the NIT administration training, I actually <coughs> that year I got a DUI. Oh wow. I got my first UI, and that's how I was. That's why I was getting rides from Job rides. No rides from my coworker. Oh, so that all happened one year. Whoa! <laughs> so another thing. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, I got a UI. I was getting rides from my coworker. That happened with my coworker. I got a place, then got into NIT and treatment. So I was going. I was taking cab rides, going to drop off my son to daycare. Um, went to NIT for eight hours, picked up my son, dropped him off at a babysitter's, went to ASAP treatment all in one day. <laughs> and wow. then I would pick him up and go home. Through all, all through cabs, I had a I had to carry his diaper bag and his car seat and him all at once. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was so crazy and very overwhelming. And so I had to do ASAP for three months. I was sober for a good four-ish months, three-ish months, until I completed <clears throat> um, ASAP. And that's where I started getting back into drinking again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that also happens a lot. Yeah. I completed it. With that certificate, I just felt like I was fixed. I thought I was healed. Mm -hmm. I thought I could handle my drink again just because I had that certificate saying that I completed treatment. And I was wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> I went back. It slowly started um, to progress. I would smoke every now and then and then I would drink every now and then and then summer hit spring mm. spring and summer hit and then it all party every weekend camping going mm -hmm. out and all that it it all came back and it was just um <coughs> it was just all chaos and but I was I s still working and I had my place and then um I ended up getting my license back. I got my license back, and I just bought a car. I bought my first car wow. um, on my own, and it, that didn't last long. Um, about three months after I got my license back is um, today, <laughs> this day, two years ago, 
I got into an accident. I was contemplating um, um, if I should tell this or not, but I got into a really bad head-on collision with a tow truck driver, and there was a fatality. He didn't make it. That night, I was admitted to um, Highland Mountain Correctional Center. I did a year and a half in Highland. It wasn't the easiest thing to happen because I had everything ripped from under me just from thinking that I was okay. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. I was so devastated. I'm. S it still hurts. You know, it's still heavy on my heart. Of course. And it's you know it's something unforgivable, <clears throat> and that I had to learn to forgive myself. Being in Highland Mountain, I learned humility. I learned to hold myself accountable. I learned to let go of control. I felt like God placed me there to really sit me down. I needed to be sit down and he sure showed it. You know, and um, it was really hard. Um, I lost my job, lost my car, lost my place. My sister had to move me out of my apartment. I um, lost my son. Couldn't see him. It was during COVID. Um, at that time, we weren't having visits. Couldn't have anyone visit. And... You know, after three months, I ended up getting a job in the greenhouse there. I And that was, like, the best thing that happened because it is so stimulating to work with plants, to dig your hands into soil, and to work hard and see all that hard work get paid off. <clears throat> they do an annual plant sale every year. And so in um, 2021 is when I started. And that whole spring through summer, I was working my butt off. We planted over 700 paying baskets, over mm. 300 floor pots, over 200 annuals, perennials, and vegetables. Wow. And all of that was for the plant cell. And that plant cell, we couldn't sell to the public that year because of COVID. Um, so the officers sold. And we sold over $60,000 wow. worth of stuff for Highland. So, <laughs> And after that, we had a big barbecue just for the people who helped, um, all the inmates who helped and 
all the people who worked in the greenhouse there. So it was it was kind of good because you don't really get special treatment in jail. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine not. So and then um, yeah, and I continued to work there, and eventually <clears throat> I got into um, IOPSAT. It's um, kind of like ASAP intensive outpatient treatment. So. And that's, you know, that whole time there, I was really reflecting on myself. I was still in a dark place, being away from family, being away from my support, not having anyone that I was super close to. But being the person that I am really helped in that situation because, Uh, you know, Stacy just told me that I'm I'm like a fresh breath air, which is so funny that she said that because I've heard that before. People has told me that in Highland, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because I, no matter regardless of everything that has happened to me, what I did, I still try to find the positive in everything. I try to be optimistic about everything. I, I find hope in the darkest of places. I try to be that light, you know? Because if you're just going to be angry, <laughs> you're just going to make it even more darker, you know? Mm-hmm. And I could be angry. I could be angry at myself and the world and everything, but I don't want to be. So it was um, really good. The treatment actually was supposed to be three months. It ended up being six months long Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of COVID. (laughs) We kept having to shut down in there. Oh, wow. Going on lockdowns wasn't the funnest because you're stuck with like over, sometimes over 20 women. In the same wing and woman with woman is chaotic because all the hormones <laughs> and everyone's just off the wall <laughs> and uh, it was crazy but you know even through all that I tried to stay positive I really grew my faith in God and I read a lot I read a lot I tried to stay busy I talked to Linda um, I tried to talk to her every week and I had some really, really tough times there. And anytime I did, I would write her a letter. <laughs> she still has my letters. <laughs> and I still have hers. And she really likes my writing, though. And she believes that I should write a book. Um, I think, I don't know, because just, you know, through all that pain and... Mm-hmm trauma and everything I still find a way to light and I feel like people should know that too even if they're in a dark place and because there is still there is light there's just one you know there is that little shit of light in the darkest of places you just have to believe that there is and Mm -hmm. you know it can grow if you water it and so yeah, and so I was there, and I got released on ankle monitor in June, 
four days later, they brought me back to Highland. Yeah. As, yeah, as you remember. I remember. I felt so awful. Because yeah. I was like, that's, it had to feel terrible. Yeah, it was the worst feeling in the world because I was doing whatever I could to mm -hmm. stay out, you know. I didn't mess up. I didn't get charged with anything else. They, my PO came and said that they made a mistake and released me two year or two, yeah, two years early, because you have to have three years or less to be released. Wow! And I have five years, and so devastating. Yeah, it went through five people to be approved. Five people to be approved wow. and went through all of those people <clears throat> just for them to realize four days later after I got released. Even my PO felt so bad, my PO and um, the officers there and like people that knew me there, they're like, what are you doing back? What is going yeah, on? They were saying, yeah, what did you do? I was like, I, I didn't do anything again. I had to be on lockdown for two weeks for COVID or um, quarantine. <laughs> so I was in a house full of um, people who were in and out of Highland. Um, there was a lot of people who were coming off drugs and alcohol, and they were just, it stunk there. And it's the worst. <laughs> but Sounds awful. It didn't last long that people, word got out, and everyone who knew me, my old boss, um, they all found out that I was there, and so my boss, um, she found, <coughs> or she asked her supervisor, which is the officer who runs the greenhouse, if I could come back as soon as I get out of quarantine. And so I got right back into working in the greenhouse, which was really nice. And so I got right back into it, went straight back to work, and I was just working my butt off every day. And, um, a month later, my PO came to me, and he was like, you want to get back on ankle monitor? <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, found a loophole, and um, he found somewhere in the PNPs where it says if offender um, shows rehabilitative progress the chief officer or supervisor can override the decision mm. and approve it um even if it's more than three years so that's what they did i got released a month after <coughs> i got sent back and i've been here ever since and there's been a lot of ups and downs but today i am proud to say i'm two years sober Excellent. That is amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's kind of been a mixed feelings today because today is the date. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, you know, whether the good or the bad, it's still a day that is unforget unforgettable. Yes. So. If you had to choose one moment, or a moment or a person from my house that has been that has been or was the most impactful in your journey and your story to this point what moment or person would you choose um 
I'd say Linda. Linda's, she's been there since the day I met her, (laughs) you know? She knew me before all of this, um, all of the crazy stuff before getting pregnant with Sebastian and, um, yeah, she's, when my family wasn't there, she was there. She was a shoulder to cry on. She, when the visiting opened up, she <laughs> made an appointment to come see me right away. And um, yeah, it's uh, I'm truly grateful for her and Michelle. Michelle's. Michelle's, she fought for me. She fought hard for me when I got sent back. <laughs> yeah, I was here. I remember. I remember she stormed around the office in the way that she usually does when something doesn't sit right with her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she went to bat. <laughs> yeah, so I'm truly grateful for her, too. But, you know, overall, I'm grateful for everyone here. You know, everyone, every single person here has impacted somebody. And I I don't know where I'd be without you guys, you know. This is my family, <laughs> you know. This is, this place has been more of a family than my family. I, I know that's shitty to say, but. You know, in times of need and really, really hard times, dark places, I've came to you guys and it's never disappointed me, you know. I always felt loved and welcomed. And that's something that I... I'm super grateful for it and I'm so happy to be here working and I'm I just I'm hope my hopes to be continuing working here is to influence my future interns for the greenhouse and I want to be a peer for them and let them know that they're not alone and that there is a way out you know because I've been there I've lived in a car, I've lived in housing, I've been to jail. <laughs> and, like, I don't even seem like the person to go to jail, you nope, know? Nope, would have never guessed it. So, I, um, I just hope that my story can inspire somebody else to... to there's not an end to it, and there's always something new that can happen, always something better that can happen, regardless of how dark and um, hopeless it feels like. Thank you for listening to today's episode of My Voice. For local services here at my house, 
please call 373-4357. That's 373-HELP.